are listening to episode 80 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Friday, February 3rd. We took a little break. <laughs> we did. I feel like it's just every... So how many of these episodes I bet start with like, everything's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's true, though. It's true. Um, no, it was good, I think, for both of us. You had some th- stuff you were dealing with. I had like nonstop sickness in my house for like three months. And then I was uh, in Florida all of December because I was tired of the nonstop sickness. So I went to see my parents, um, took like took my kid out of school, went to see my parents. and It was great kind of too long to be gone away from home but uh it was good but now we're back and now it's february somehow i can't time what is i know i can't i like mm, i would like to have a very like strongly i need to send a strongly worded message to whoever is in charge of time and tell them to relax i would be believe that would be the space time continuum (laughs) that you want to address your letter to yeah Dear space time continuum, can you like yes. chill out? Could you take could you take a chill pill? Perhaps? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um yeah, so we're here and we if you are a patron, we made some changes to our Patreon because we want to just kind of pull back a little bit. We still enjoy doing the show, obviously, because we like each other and we like to talk about the things we like. Um, yes. but we have changed out our tiers to just a single tier. And just to cover server costs, essentially, hopefully at some point, maybe we'll get back to like as robust yeah. as we used to be. But for now, we're we're pulling back just just a tad. Um, yeah, it's just words- basically we don't want to be like feel guilty if we're not recording every month. Um, <laughs> a, yeah. And then like keeping up anybody and pe- a bunch of people told me this before we went into like doing physical rewards. But it is um I, I, you feel if you're if you have physical rewards and you're behind on them and then that's just the constant guilt and anxiety for being behind on the thing that you promised to people. <laughs> and so we are trying to keep this podcast as fun as possible for both of us. So. And to that end, the rewards from last year will be going out this yes. year. <laughs> but if you are a subscriber, um, we did message all of you um, to let you know, but please feel free if you are still at a high tier that no longer exists, please feel free to Bring your tier down to a lower tier. Um, We will not be in any way offended or think you will not support us. And we want you to, you don't need to give us your money if if we're we're not sending you rewards. So like, you can bring it down. You can bring it down. Please do. Please do bring it down. (laughs) Um, But okay, let's do news. We're not going to catch up on everything we haven't talked about since October. So this is just some of the more interesting recent stuff that has caught our eye. And the first two of these are you. So I will let you go. Uh, yeah, so obviously James Gunn uh, announced a huge new thing for the DC Cinematic Universe slate. They've got all these television show Green Lanterns, Booster Gold, which I am surprisingly excited about, especially yeah, which they I think they should um, bring in some of the actors that they'd considered for the part or who have played the part previously. We'll see. But the thing is that... There's going to be a bat like I have been gunning for a Robin and a Batman like a child Robin and a Batman movie forever. Mm-hmm. I think putting Dick Grayson next to Robert Pattinson would just be the perfect cinematic experience. Mhm. M- signals got crossed so that's not what's happening. There there is going to be a Batman and Robin movie, but it sounds like one Damian Wayne is James Gunn's favorite Robin, so that's who it's gonna be. Which, like, fine, I get it. If you're a Damian, I don't Wayne know much. Girl. To be fair about 
about the Robins. You know, I've read some of the comics here and there, but don't know much about it. But Damian Wayne does not strike he, me. He's like the angry cat Robin. He yeah. is Bruce Wayne's biological child with Talia al Ghul. He is, was raised with the League of Assassins. He tried to murder Tim Drake the first time he met him. Like, he's a... A fun character. He's not my favorite Robin. I was really yeah. hoping to start with Dick Grayson. Um, but because he referenced the Batman and Robin comic series in which Damien is Robin and Dick is Batman, people are wondering, and, and they mentioned the Batman, people are wondering if perhaps it'll be Dick Grayson as Batman in this other Batman movie. Right, because, because Matt Reeves is still making his Batman movie. Yeah. Didn't, the, didn't they say the next one's coming out in like 2025 or something? 2025? That's not a real year. Maybe. But yeah. yes. Um, I'm, I, I, I just, I swear I saw a release date for the next R-Pats. Uh, yeah, Bat they are doing, Angel. they're doing another R-Bats movie, okay. um, which is great because I, I enjoyed the Batman. It's absurd. Yes. It's so silly, but it's so fun. Um, still have not watched it because... We are trash, but it's it's I liked it. I thought it was I leaned into how sort of campy it was, which is why. I, and I love I love Batman and Catwoman together almost in every yeah. iteration. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff. We'll see what DC's had so many announcements over the years that it's yeah. hard to believe sometimes that's what i was gonna say they to they announce they try to do these marvel style announcements and drop everything at once except marvel for the most part makes everything they announce i mean there's yeah. been some here and there uh but generally speaking but dc does not have that same well, track. dc changes leadership so frequently yeah. that i think it's hard for them to kind of stay the course but i yeah. wonder james gunn because he has so much experience perhaps could do that and it's it's him and peter no we didn't write down his last name and i already nope. forgot it but yeah mm. no so i we'll never see. had it in my head so <laughs> i knew we'll there was see, a we'll second see. person but i was like eh, james gunn um we'll see what happens it's i think it could come to a lot of interesting things we you liked peacemaker i liked peacemaker i liked like, peacemaker a lot yeah i thought the suicide squad movie was really fun um so there's clearly like and and james gunn i will say with the focus on comics and really giving like creators comics creators their dues for how they influence plotting was nice because you don't always see that yes um and so yeah we'll see there's a lot to come i think but yeah sort of like on the fence with some of it and really wish there was there was a dick grace and robin in my future but there isn't and that's okay it's okay <laughs> um and then this other thing was funny we were talking about news and so i was like is there any news i was like oh there's this one thing but it might just be for me <laughs> i was like it's fine <laughs> fine because carrie preston who plays elspeth tassioni on the good wife which is one of my top top tv characters i think ever is getting her own spinoff for paramount plus which yeah. is what it's called now. Um, and I watched Good Fight finally last right. like, last year, which was in. I mean, they just know how to like bring in the absurdity of the real world into this like legal setting. And Elspeth mm -hmm. is like the perfect character for how banana pants our world is right now. I think to create that sort of legal drama around. So I'm extremely okay. excited about this. Okay. Okay. Good. You're like, yeah, I have not watched excited. the good. I know I haven't watched the Good Wife or the Good Fight. Those are shows like I like in theory I would love so to good. watch them, but then I just keep watching the same things over and over. So <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. 
Um, all right, third thing. Third thing, um, Jedi Survivor, which is the uh, which is the sequel to the Star Wars game you and I both loved, uh, mm-hmm. Fallen Order, got bumped to sh- six weeks, I think, to April twenty eighth. Um, yes. Not so, like I'm very looking much looking forward to playing it. I'm a little bummed it's going to come out. I think that means it's going to come out after Tears of the Kingdom. No, it's like a week and a half before Tears of the oh, Kingdom. God. And I'm so upset because I'm like, that's too, like, they should take the time they need to make this game. A hundred They should, but then they should do it like two months after Tears of, yeah, like, nobody's like, going to play anything for two months after Tears of the Kingdom comes I out. Had, like, it's just going to be Tears of the Kingdom. A schedule. I was like, literally, since like last year, I've been planning out like as games are coming out, how I can parse my What's your time schedule? Out. What's your schedule? Tell me. Well, because it was was gonna be Jedi Survivor in March, Tears of the Kingdom okay. in May, Final Fantasy 16 over the summer, Spider Man in the fall, and then okay. Final Fantasy remake at the end of the year. That Is remake was- coming out at the end of the year? They said winter, winter. We're both doing air quotes right now because <laughs> so, you can't see us. But they announced winter last year, so okay. my assumption was winter 2023. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I can see that. So like um, it was it was a tentative schedule, obviously. Did you but... play the intergrade thing? I need to go back and play that. Like intergrade with Yuffie, like it's like no, a, it's like a I whole didn't. extra like it's basically I a DLC. Did, I I I'm like maybe to. I'll just wait for the next one to come. I don't know. Maybe I'll just replay. I tried I tried I got Crisis Core. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you did not you I were did not, not a fan. enjoy the gameplay. I wanted to. I was so excited about it and just that really felt like in in the way that remote remake was extremely innovative and extremely mm-hmm. like, crisis core felt a little bit like oh we have this let's do it you know yeah yeah so eh. yeah that's um yeah i'm um i i have i am a little overwhelmed by the slate of games that's coming out this year i'll add to your uh list for spoken which i'll talk oh, about right. a little bit at the end of the uh, in the what we're into uh, part, but I'm actually liking it. it. It got a lot of flack based on that first trailer. I'm actually really liking it. I think it's fun. Uh, but you all know me. I I'm not super picky about this sort of stuff. Um, and then PSVR two is dropping at the end of February. And uh, yeah, and the horizon. Yeah, it's like virtual reality. And then the Horizon Call of the Mountain, which is a VR game set within the world of like Horizon Zero Dawn is coming out. Yeah. Super excited for that. So I've already got, I've already got my VR on pre-order, like the bundle. So uh, I should get it and I will take, I will make sure to like set up my phone somehow so I can take like video of myself doing, (laughs) like looking absolutely ridiculous playing this game. But uh yeah um so i'll add those two things so um to your list but yeah there's oh and star trek resurgence which is the basically star trek action adventure game is, is coming it an out RPG? basically yeah Ooh. i know that's coming out and i think it's april or may so like i am like my mind is like it's too much i mean too in a good way though because it has been so long since we've had good like i don't want to be like disparaging of the games that have been coming out but just it's been a trickle and all of it's just been slow for the types of games specifically that you and I yes. like, which are larger yes, exactly. open world action adventure style games with RPG leveling up elements. Yes. Um, and so the, a bunch of those are coming out and those take a lot of time to play yes. beyond yes. like Fallen or uh, a Jedi Survivor might be a little shorter. But besides well, that, do you um, think I 
wonder because Fallen Order, it felt like literally the main criticism of Fallen Order was how short it was. Yeah. And it was, I will say, I played. It was short. Well, I played Marvel Avengers finally. That like, was like two weeks ago. It was the shortest game I have yeah. ever played in my life. I could not believe how quickly I, I like literally four days. Yeah, like, no, it that was built, I think, as a game to like for a multiplayer campaign game, not a it single player been like game. Fourteen dollars. I'm so yeah. angry about it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So yeah, I feel like Jedi Survivor might, might be a little be yeah. longer. I think, and so now there's going to be definitely be games I not I skip in that I'm not going to play them, but I will buy them and download them and they'll sit on my PlayStation for like six months until I have time to play them, which is yeah, fine. I, Nothing wrong with that. But. I feel like the number one Tears of the Kingdom, I think is top number one. Tears of the Kingdom is the one I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to play the second. I might even take off the day it comes out. Yeah. Just and to like, just, pl- just to play it. Just to be in it. Like I, yeah. we both, I think revisited Breath of the Wild recently. Um, and it's just, it's just such a perfect game. It's, yeah. It is. It's so immersive. And like, I forgot how I played it for like months, like, yep, literal months. And it's mm-hmm. awesome. It mm-hmm. holds up. So, Tears of the Kingdom, man. So, so excited. Uh, I'm really excited for it. Um, so and I think we'll games. be talking about video games a lot on the podcast because there are so many good ones coming out. And I think mm-hmm. you and I are both really excited. Yeah, because like um, you said, it, it has been a weird, a it's weird, been a weird, like since like, the basically dirt. 2021, because like 2020, the last games came out that were basically done when the pandemic hit. And then since then, it's been a trickle of everything that's been delayed mm-hmm. since then. And so uh, it's just been slow. Like 2021, I feel like nothing came out and then stuff started hitting again very slowly in 2022. Yeah, I I mean, I think the closest that we could, which we didn't really talk about, I think we might have mentioned on the show Gotham Knights, which was yeah. highly anticipated and hit, it, it like, it, I keep saying hit, I know, I keep saying hit some of those itches, but it scratched some of those itches is the correct idiom, but I keep saying hit some of those itches for some reason, but it like, uh, scratch some of that itch a little bit of like that open world rpg level up it was just a little chaotic like the gameplay was like a the little the gameplay weak. was chaotic and like i was just very honestly i'll be honest i'm not a graphics person but mm-hmm. like that game looked like it was made for the playstation 3 like just the graphics were like it was not surprising. what you would expect uh for that caliber of game and how long it's been in production like it was, it was just surprising. not yeah it was surprising and that's not usually something that bugs me but it was one of those things that I was like okay I'll go back to this and then I just never have I do have every intention of going back to it because I did actually really like the story and the like the story you're solving, great. like you go to a crime you have to go to a crime scene and like look at the clues I really yeah. liked that style of gameplay it was really fun um the characterization of all of of them yes. as I, I mean I really only played for like two or three hours but it was really good so I really want to go back it's just um I, it's fun I I finished it I ended up like going through doing the whole campaign I really enjoyed the story so much and I really loved playing as the characters although I never played as Jason um because I don't like shooting, shooting. yeah and that thing is I like that I like that so I'll probably play as Jason once you get to that point right now I'm playing as a uh, Batgirl but <laughs> It's funny because I, I like you're how gonna go, Jason is. You're gonna go back and forth between Jason and Barbara, and I went back and forth between Tim and Dick. Yeah. <laughs> so between the two of us, we're gonna get everything. We've, we've covered the whole Batfam. 
Oh, bat fam. Um, all right. Well, more to come on video games, obviously. Yes. Sorry. We got a digression there. But um, this episode, we are it's kind of our Star Trek Picard preview. Yes. Uh, the third season of Star Trek Picard drops uh, Thursday, February 16th. Full disclosure, I have seen the first six episodes of the season. It's 10 episodes total. <laughs> yes, Preeti has not. Um, I made this list for Preeti before I saw the first six episodes. Nothing we are going to talk about is a spoiler or is in any way informed by what I have seen in uh, the episodes. You don't have to worry that, like, you'll listen to the discussion and get spoiled. You will no spoilers and no like I didn't even none of these episodes are spoilers because I will tell you why I picked each of them, but um. It's because of stuff that was in promo materials, basically. So the episodes we're going to talk about are element are the Next Generation episodes, Elementary Dear Data, Ship in a Bottle, Brothers Attached, and then the DS9 episode, Tacking into the Wind. So the one disclaimer I will make about Tacking into the Wind is <laughs> if you are planning on watching Deep Space Nine for the first time and you have not, skip this episode because... Um, it's it's like the end of season seven and it's like tying up the series arcs and it's hugely spoilery for the show um so you can just you can just skip it um and you'll be fine it's just it's it's a very important Worf episode and as a big fan of Worf um I wanted to talk about it with Preeti and I know as much as I would love for her to she will never watch Deep Space Nine so (laughs) I um I yeah, I w- I'll admit, I only watched the Worf scenes and I watched everything else on Fast Forward because That's I fine. think I've maybe seen like an episode of Day 9 when I was a kid. You can also do that if you want. would rather do that. It is spoilery for Worf and his arc and like what happens with the Klingons, but it's like, like, that's all like I don't know like uh, you can do that if you don't really care that much about like knowing some of the later Dominion War stuff but yeah if you're particular about it stay away from that episode but okay so we're gonna get uh right into it so elementary dear data and ship in a bottle we'll talk about those first and those Mm -hmm. I picked because it is it has been um it's we know that the actor who plays Moriarty, whose name is escaping me, and I will Google in a second, um, is coming back as Moriarty. Um, you in you Star Trek mean Picard's Niles Secretary. from The Nanny? Yes, also known as apparently Niles from The Nanny, a show I did not watch, but um, it's but not like literally. I like started watching. It's Daniel Davis is the Daniel actor. Davis. Okay, yes, yes. Um, okay. I started watching it and I text. I was like, "Why does he look so familiar?" And then I was like, "Oh my god, that's Niles." A show I, I never I'm... watched. I, 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 for a minute, I was like, "Wait, Niles from Frasier? Is that <laughs> David Hyde Pierce? No, that's not David. Hyde. <laughs> oh, the nanny." I, I, I went through this I went through this whole journey on my head when I got that text message. Um, but these two episodes, I really like them because they're they're holodeck episodes, but they're not the typical holodeck episode. I think mm-hmm. Moriarty is a very interesting character who starts yes. out as a villain and he's not. He's not a villain. Um what did you think? I think in the first episode for Elementary Dear Data, in which, you know, Data loves Sherlock Holmes stories. The whole premise is that he and Jordy are going into the holodeck to play, like, immerse themselves in a Sherlock Holmes mystery. Um, yeah. But Jordy, I loved how mad Jordy got, where he's like, you already know the ending. This isn't fun. Yes, I know, <laughs> like, I know. You can't just solve it before we've had a chance to go on the journey. 
And then that who was the doctor's name? That horrible uh, Dr. Woman. Pulaski. Yeah. I did not I care it. for her. Uh, sorry, and- sorry, sorry, Pulaski fans. I I really just do not care for Dr. Pulaski. Yeah. Um, and I'm very glad she was only in one season. Yeah, I didn't love her. I didn't like the way she spoke to Data. I, I was yes, not a no. big fan of that. Um, but basically she contends that Data cannot really experience fun or experience participating in a story because he's a computer and and knows all these things. And so I didn't know the avenues these stories were going to take. So that first episode, I agree, Moriarty is an extremely sympathetic character, you know, becoming mm-hmm. sentient, essentially. Yeah. And for a character who we know as the, you know, the antagonist to Holmes and being this like evil, brilliant man, he was really sympathetic and really like mm-hmm. heartfelt and, and, played well and then in the second episode I was like oh no you are a villain (laughs) yes no no he is a villain I'm not I'm not trying to say he's not but I think he's just much very complex because you can understand where he's coming from like agree especially like um if he really could sense the passage of time within the computer that's terrifying well it's funny because he has a line in the first episode where he is this like complex sympathetic person um where he has kidnapped the doctor Mm -hmm. and they ask him, like, have you hurt her? And he says, no, but I will if I have to. And yeah. it's just this, like, aside that never really comes to anything because he doesn't hurt anybody. But then four seasons later, you're like, you are that person. You yeah, no, he, you were that person. He absolutely is. And he would hurt somebody to get what he wants. But he'd rather not. He's a gentleman. He'd rather yeah. not. But he will. But which I like. I like. The, I like the um, kind of. I like I like the way he's portrayed here. I like um I do really like we get into it in this there's always in Star Trek generally there's always a character who is kind of the outsider where you kind of question their and I'm going to use humanity in a very general sense but you question their humanity. In Next mm-hmm. Gen it's Data. In the original series it's Spock because he has no emotion and right. it, it like grows in every series. Like in the original series it's Spock in next gen is data in ds9 it's odo in voyager it's um it's uh, seven of nine like there's always that like character who's the outsider and it's also the doctor in voyager which is really interesting for this because this episode is all about well you're a hologram you're a computer program you can't be alive and like voyager's the show that really takes that question and like runs with it and they Mm -hmm. do end up having like a sentient hologram but I think it's like so interesting to see the seeds of that discussion here like especially as we're talking about like and you brought you texted this to me chat gpt and ai writing stories yes and you were basically like Jordy used chat GPT to like make to a Sherlock like, Holmes story. Make, yeah. Like it is <laughs> using AI to make a Sherlock Holmes story. And I think it's, um, I think it's, go ahead. Well, no, what was funny to me is that Star Trek had this moment with Jordy using AI to create a Sherlock Holmes experience that had never been written before. And because the parameters were just make a Sherlock Holmes story, data was able to just pick, it just picked up pieces. It wasn't a real story. It wasn't a real experience. Yep. And it didn't work. Um, and then the the second, which is like a wonderful, prescient like talking point on why AI art has issues. Um, but 
What was also funny is like then Jordy immediately turns around and was like, make something that will confound data. And yes. I texted something and I was like, terrible. Like, oh, no! <laughs> right. Why would because- you do that? Because, um, no, it is. It's true. And I think there is actually a lot uh, in this episode that you can use to talk about AI and mm-hmm. chat GPT. And like, like the issues we're grappling with now about AI art. Um, and I think the ish- the problems that the computer has with the story yes. it comes up with, like you said, is very much what, like people are like, oh my God, have you seen this chat GPT thing? And if you actually look at what it brings back it seems reasonable at first glance but it doesn't actually have any substance because it's just google you know it's just you know whatever it is within its database about that subject is all it's giving you and it's it's a similar thing and i think that's a, that's a that's a comparison i hadn't thought of until you texted it to me but i was like oh that is really very interesting yeah but i think it's also i think it's also interesting because a lot of a lot of the next a lot of next gen data's journey in next gen and star trek picard especially season 1 is about data procreating yes it's about data wanting to pass on a legacy it's about you know in the episode the offspring which if you have extra time that's a good one to watch too um he creates a daughter basically he creates a daughter um he is very interested in this idea of family we'll talk about brothers in a minute um and in the f- entire first season of Picard, that revolves around, like, basically the continuing data, his legacy, like, more androids, that sort of thing. But in some ways, Moriarty is the first, it's the first person, it's the first artificial entity that data's ever created. Yeah, it's, it's, like you were saying, when you are talking about how Star Trek has these characters and that central question of like what does it mean to be not necessarily human because obviously there are all yeah. sorts of aliens and and whomever in Star Trek but what does it mean to be sentient what does it mean to conscious be yeah have conscious? consciousness what does it yeah. yeah what does it mean to exist and have free will and data's you know sort of like consistent wish of these things of legacy of family of all the are are very human right are mm-hmm. very like I remember we watched when we did the like uh, trade episode where you're like, here are six next gen episodes. I want you to watch. And one of them was about data and whether or not he could be considered human or whether he had. Yes. Measure of a man. Yep. The measure of a man. And so that is just such a consistent theme for data across decades of Star Trek, because it's a question I think that obviously comes up in the real world of who is allowed to be human and who is seen as human. Um, what marginalized communities are allowed to exist as fully complex human beings uh, according to society. And so you pull that theme into Star Trek and I'm so curious how that theme is now going to run through Picard season three because it has been so prevalent in both seasons, in both Mm -hmm. season one and season two of Picard. Um, because even with Moriarty, obviously, they end up ha- – it's it's very sad, right? They they end up having to trick him to get – recontrol the ship and, and ship in a bottle because he, he wants so badly to be able to exist outside of the confines of this prison that he is in, of the hollow deck. 
And I, and he, I do think that they think maybe he has a right to exist, yes. but they just physically cannot they don't do know it. How. Like, at this point, there is no technology that can allow a holographic a hologram to like walk around freely in the real world by the time we get to Voyager that technology will exist but it doesn't here right so hopeful I mean I'm hopeful that it will mean some sort of like actual physical presence for him yeah to, to get the thing that he so desperately wants um and then in the brothers episode which I was yeah, like you can move along on to that I think yeah, right. you were like, "What is happening?" I was like, who is so, this man? So the one, the one thing I will say about brothers, if you aren't aware, you you could watch the episode Data Lore, um, which is a first season episode. I also have like a slightly longer rewatch list because Preeti and I have rewatched a lot of stuff for previous seasons of Picard that I think would be relevant for this season if you haven't done any rewatching. So uh, we'll link that in the show notes. I just sent yeah. out a newsletter with like a comprehensive like list because, um, if you haven't rewatched anything for the previous few seasons, it's worth rewatching stuff before this third season but uh data has an evil twin brother lore (laughs) who uh as far as he knows was created um it was created but uh was too perfect because he could mimic humanity too well and the citizens of omicron theta the colony they were on didn't like it so he was dismantled and data was created to be less perfect than a human or like basically less perfect than a human less perfect than lore so that's what data thinks about all this when we yes. start brothers yeah so brothers i didn't have any of this backstory yes. when i started the episode. she had to pause and be like who's lore and i was like oh, it's like crap. who is this other data and i sent her like a memory alpha article which is like the wikipedia for star trek and was like okay <laughs> but so it starts and there's this disagreement between two brothers where this older brother has played a prank on the younger brother but it's a it's a dark prank the younger is he basically makes the younger brother thinks that he had killed him and they're like children like they're like babies right yeah um so that is sort of the like beginning of this yeah. and, and and the thematic introduction to this episode right uh, and so data is escorting the the older brother somewhere when all of a sudden he starts getting like really weird and stops talking and then just like takes over the ship, locks everybody out, which is terrifying because nobody mm-hmm. knows what's going on. And it's sort of this reminder of Data's inhumanity, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he takes a shuttle and or trans I don't remember. It's shuttle or transport or something. and ends up on this planet mm-hmm. where he comes to a home of an extremely old man who Preeti's like why is Billy Crystal from the Princess Bride in this house <laughs> yeah because that's I what it is really hard um it is 100% Billy Crystal from the Princess Bride but he like walks in I was like who is this old man what is happening and Data doesn't really he he doesn't know what's going on and it turns out it's Nunyan Sung mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Data's creator who is kind of an asshole as we yes. come to learn. All the songs are assholes. That's just, that's Star Trek <laughs> like canon. Every iteration. They mm-hmm. all suck. Mm-hmm. 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 100%. As, as we saw in the last season of Picard. Um, yes, Alton Sung. And then, garbage. oh no, first season was Alton Sung. Last season was I don't remember some, which one some was. Sung. Yeah, Samsung. he was a dick. Um, But he has flipped a homing device that made data basically drop everything and just come to his home 
Um, but that homing device also called a newly reconstructed lore. Yes. Who also, I was like, yes. What is happening? I yeah. did really enjoy watching him play an android who is so human. Like, it's so fun. It to, is. When he gets to, like, sort of participate in those roles. I will say I am a person who likes data better without emotions. I think data is more human without emotions, honestly, mm-hmm. um, and more connected with humanity uh, without emotions. But I do like lore as like the counterpart to that. Um, I love seeing that balance of well, the two of them. It's funny because lore's issue isn't his, it isn't even the emotions, right? It's his ambition. That mm-hmm. is what they kept pointing to as the issue with Lore is he was too ambitious because the reason, like, they have this whole backstory where Lore, like, tried to take over the Enterprise and, like, kill everybody mm-hmm. on it. Yep. For mm-hmm. the, what was it called? What was The, the crystalline thing? entity. The crystalline entity. Yeah, yes. I love Star Trek. I know. <laughs> no, so the thing with Lore is he thinks he's better than humans. Yes. That's, like, the bottom line. It's, like, he thinks he's better than humans and he should dominate. Yeah humans and so like it's the story of like the ai you create that thinks it's smarter than you because it is which i feel like we're not too far from yeah um so but like data doesn't have that and i think i don't think it's emotions that gives lore that feeling i don't think Mm -hmm. data is um data with emotions is in danger of becoming that but i also think uh i do just personally prefer data without the emotion shift that he gets in like in the movie generations um, but I do love seeing him and Lore play off of each other. I think it's great. Um, and I think one, a friend of mine, Claire, pointed out in the episode Brothers that like Data has one of his most human moments in this episode, where he uh, is he is like he's like coming to terms with the idea that he's that lore lied to him that he's actually mm-hmm. not less perfect than lore and like lore and sung are having this whole conversation data's just sitting over here repeating like i am not less perfect than lore. i know and she uh. was like claire was like if you're trying to tell me that data doesn't have emotions that's one of the most emotional things i have ever seen like him like you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's like Data doesn't have to have an emotion chip to have emotions. Like, and yes. it's, it, it was a very interesting point that I've never been able to articulate why that affected me so much. But I think it is that. I think it's that. I think it's that it is a very emotional moment for a character who's not supposed to have emotions, but it's also also authentically emotional. It's not mm-hmm. one of those things where, oh, he slipped up and used a contraction. Like, you know, the, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's not a snaf- snafu or like an inconsistency. It is very consistent with the character and the way he's written, but you're trying to tell me that's not an emotional moment. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, he does have a, emo- he doesn't have to have an emotion chip to have emotions. It's just, they are processed and expressed differently. Mm-hmm. than how we would do it and like yeah i i i find this episode so compelling for a lot of reasons i could okay i will say lore shows up again in star trek the next generation i could have made you watch that but honestly that episode's so bad <laughs> like so bad so this it's descent parts one and two um and it's the storyline is basically lore takes over like a sect of borg that have been come disconnected from the hive okay and uh it's just really bad um i just keep saying that but it is it's bad um 
and it should be good is the thing that premise sounds really cool but no it's not good um and it's pretty well like i like the bad episodes and even i don't like these episodes um and so what happens so the re and the reason i picked brothers is we know it has been announced that brent spiner is returning to picard but he's portraying lore so it's like I feel like this episode because Data Lore is a little Data Lore is a first season episode. It's like the seventh or eighth episode of the first season. It's still campy. It's mm-hmm. still when the show was a little bit on the campy side. Descent is not good. Brothers is the one that is like both really good. It gives you a really good sense of how unstable Lore is. Yeah, and who he is, but also just being a very good. I think a good episode. But again, as is tradition in Star Trek, Lore is such a big character who only appears in four episodes across yeah. the series like that's it those are the four Dale lore brothers and then descents part one and two that's it um so the reason i picked this one is it's just it's the best lore episode and i think it gives you a good idea of what lore is about the relationship between lore and data and how badly data wants that family connection but oh. recognizes he can't like lore is not the place he's gonna find it Ugh, i am so anxious now about lore <laughs> I know. Coming up in the car. <laughs> I know. Because um, he's just, he's just, and I will say also, um, Lore is very, the image we have seen of Lore from the promotional stuff is very, uh, not android looking, I'll say, um, very, mm-hmm. um, he has white hair, so he's clearly aged, which thank God they're letting Brent Spiner age because yes. like, it was getting a little, I think at this point they've acknowledged we can't just put the makeup on him and expect everyone to like to just buy this. this. Yes. Yeah. So I'm sure that that's the big reason that they are making him look that way. But like it, it, it begs the question of like, what has happened to Lore? Why does he look this way? Part of the reason I recommended um, Inheritance as an episode to watch is you find out that Data actually does have an aging program. So like has... He, he, it's not tr- apparently it's never triggered in in um over the course of next gen or data's life but apparently it exists well, within data to have an aging program which would mean lore probably has one too so maybe his has been activated in, um, they say it in picard season one don't they don't they say something about data aging i feel like when we see him in like one of the memories with Jordy and Jean-Luc I could be wrong possibly. but I feel, I feel like there was something there where very they, possibly like, there was like a throwaway line to explain Brent Spiner's yeah like uh uh how he looked basically um yeah, yeah I'm excited to see what the future holds excited and anxious to see what the yeah I, f- I feel the same about lore like I love the idea of the character but he makes me anxious because he's data he's got all the intelligence of data but he's not but perhaps not the empathy yeah exactly that's it i think i think that i think you just hit the nail on the head where when i hear like he has all the emotion but none of the empathy which is just Mm -hmm. whereas data is in some ways all empathy like he is yeah he is um oh he's such a good character no i'm gonna get like teary i love data so much (laughs) um so yeah, and I think Brothers is uh, I think it's a like it's a great episode, and um, yeah. Is there anything else to say? I think I don't think so. I think we can go to all right. Let's uh, go. Let's talk about Tacking into the Wind first because I think okay. you're gonna have a lot to say about Attached. <laughs> 
So tacking into the wind, um, this is the storyline here is basically Worf coming to terms with what the Klingon Empire is, what has always mm-hmm. been, and he's never been willing to acknowledge it. I think it's a really important episode for Worf because he he basically he has this great conversation with Ezri Dax where she's like, have you ever respected a leader of the Klingon High Council? How many times have you been asked to lie to protect the honor of the council? And it's like, the number of, like, you know, what Worf has been through personally in order to protect the Klingon High Council is, it's appalling. And so I think this is a really important episode because, like, the one thing we really know about Worf, besides that he's a silver fox in the <laughs> new season, is that hey, he tells, <laughs> yes, like, oh, my God, like, whew. um like that hair and but like like he tells Riker in a scene a promo scene a scene that was released in a trailer it's basically like I have chosen a way of like basically pacifism I only Mm -hmm. you know use violence when it's absolutely necessary and like how did he get from like the character we know to that and I feel like this scene has a lot to do with it him understanding that the Klingon way that he's been trying to live his life maybe is not honorable. Maybe, maybe it's well, not. And so. I actually had a different read on this. What was interesting. Oh, oh tell me, me, tell me. Is they have this conversation. And to yeah. me, it's not necessarily a fallacy of the, or, it's not the issue with the Klingon way. It's the issue with leadership exploiting what is tradition mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. bad leadership. Because at the end. Yes. So he has this conversation and then he goes to the side council because the premise is there's this the leader is wasting lives and and trying to fight insurmountable battles all for pettiness. It's all for petty yes. reasons and there's no yeah. honor in that. Yeah. And Worf brings that up and there's a fight and Worf becomes the new leader and then he gives up leadership to the man he thinks is the right leader. Right. And to me what that says is Worf does not see an issue with the Klingon way of life, he sees an mm-hmm. issue with the perversion of the Klingon way of life, with with sure. um, subverting it and taking advantage mm-hmm. of it and not truly being honorable. I think yeah. he has an idea of, and, and a good idea of, of what is right and wrong and, mm-hmm. you know, blindly following just the, like, rules, just the hierarchy mm-hmm is not the way. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. So that was, that was interesting. I still do think it is a stepping stone to get from there to the pacifism, because I think a honing of that sort of Klingon perspective is violence is only used when absolutely necessary. And that is the most honorable thing. I think I completely agree with that. And Terry Metalis, who's the showrunner for season three, um, who I'm hoping we are going to get on the podcast later um, in the <laughs> season. To I I I I sent him I I uh, I sent him a little um, message because we're friendly and he's he's open to it. But we'll see what happens. He's pretty busy, so um, he said basically like yes. Worf says that he's pacifism. He's also carrying a big ass sword on his back. Yep. So like take it with a grain of salt. But I think your read of your read of how he is going to use violence in this season is accurate because like it's basically just understanding that violence does have a purpose in his right. life 
and as a Klingon, it has a purpose, but it's not, it, it, it's a tool to be used mm-hmm. when necessary. Um, it's not, it's not the like default reaction to everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. I enjoyed it. I like Worf as a character. And so, and I like watching characters who have to reckon with culture and and how that culture is presented and used in a way yeah. that still allows them to participate in the culture and and be and have it be a part of them do you want to hear my garon impression yeah we do not forgive <laughs> we'll forget <laughs> i love garon i love him amazing I love him. Love, love, love. Um, But uh, no, and I think the relationship between Worf and Martok is also very important and very influential. For Worf, like, I think Martok is one of the few Klingons who really understands Worf Mm -hmm. um, and who really, like, gets him on, like, a very deep level. Um, And I I love that friendship. I love, as far as we know, that Martok is still the chancellor of the Klingon High Council. He's referenced in Lower Decks, which is takes place quite a bit after next gen and he's still the chancellor so um yeah i love that he's still the chancellor like that means his you know if he he hadn't been successful someone would have challenged him and killed him so um i really like that and i'm i hope i do hope we see what the klingon empire looks like at this point because we haven't seen basically seen the klingons at all in picard season one and two nope so i'm very curious like what does it look like um all right, let's talk about attached. Oh my god! Can I just the I I like like I obviously as I've said many times on the podcast, I'm not like a Star Trek Star Trek person, but I watched Next Generation when I grew up, like when I was little. Yeah. I like know the characters. I have like a feel like I've I think I saw one of the movies in the theater. Like Star Trek, I know has, has been it's in been my in life. your life. Yeah, been in yeah. your life. Yep. The realization of how wrong I was mm-hmm. about Picard and Crusher. This is like when I found out like while recording an episode of Book Regis that Pete Sampras wasn't a lawyer, even though I spent my entire life thinking Pete Sampras was a lawyer because that you was thought my Pete mom's- Sampras was a lawyer? Well, because, okay, the backstory is, is that my mom- used Pete Sampras as an example of how you can have a professional degree and still go after your passions. Okay. For him, tennis, obviously. So she would be like, well, Pete Sampras loves tennis and he plays tennis, but he's also a lawyer. I believed that. Literally. Literally until I was like 30 years old and someone told me on a podcast that that was not true. That is... Oh, wow. Yep. Isn't that like the most Indian thing you've ever heard That's the most Indian thing I have ever ever heard yeah yeah <laughs> like <laughs> i'm just if, gonna make this up i'm sure she like thought if our, if our episodes by the way if our episodes had titles this title of this one would be pete sampras is not a lawyer <laughs> yeah <laughs> like just fyi but it's like that same sort of like feeling of this thing that i knew in my heart to be true and then finding out that it's not true yes which is that i thought Picard and Crusher, it was well accepted and that they just the entire time were together. Nope. No. What the fuck? Sorry. Yes. So, (laughs) no, I think a lot of people, because like people, it was one of those things where it was very clear they had feelings for each other. Yeah. 
Um, but they never acted on it on screen. Like it's just they never, we never saw, you know, and attached is kind of the closest they get. Um, and they finally acknowledge their feelings for one another. Ish. And then it's ish. And then it's never addressed again in all good things. Uh, they have some good moments between the two of them in the present day and in the future that all that future alternate future timeline, they're mar- they had been married and then divorced. So truly tried and then it just didn't work but attached is a very like it's not an episode it's actually funny because Preeti was live texting me while she was watching it and I was like I'm re-watching this for the first time in a long time and I don't remember what happens because this is a hard episode for me to watch because I like Picard and Beverly together and this is the episode where they get so close and then nope. decide not to mm-hmm. it's like heartbreaking so this idea of like, yeah, there's all this like political stuff going on, which like whatever. But basically they get caught and they get implanted with these like psychic sensor things so they can read each other's thoughts mm-hmm. when they escape. And it's a wonderful sort of like discussion of intimacy and partnership and connection mm-hmm. and guilt and romantic feelings and what mm-hmm. – and the like sort of bravery you have to have to step up to those feelings mm-hmm. because even, even with the psychic connection, when they are at the fireside and they're talking about, you know, Crusher was married to his best friend, Picard has all these feelings of guilt tied up with his feelings of, of romance, of his romantic feelings for her. And he says something like, but, you know, we outgrow them. We don't feel those things anymore. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're lying to her. Yep. Even though you guys can read each other's thoughts. Like, that is yeah. fascinating. And mm-hmm. such, like, a again, like, such a human thing of, like, having all these contradictory things inside of you so you can lie even when the other person can, knows what you're thinking. And yeah. It was, like, so heartbreaking and, like, beautiful. And then the true moment of honesty comes at the end when they can't read each other's thoughts anymore. Yeah. Oh, so good. And then, like, he seems like, okay, I- I'm willing to take the step. And yeah. she's like, no, I can't. She says, do it. maybe we should be afraid. Yeah. And that to and then me just was like, leaves. Oh. That's it. It's like heart wrenching yeah. of this. Because that's also like, you know, that's valid. Like, fear is a response that for humans is like, if you are afraid of something, maybe you should be afraid of for something. Maybe this yeah. is a life saving tactic. And so it's a totally valid sort of like response for her to have, but it's like it's also self protection. Like, so, yeah, she has, you know, she's on board. Like, he's the captain of the ship she's on. If it goes <sighs> badly, it could affect her career. Not that he ever would. Jean Luc is not that, but still, like, yeah, you know, it's just it, there's a lot for her to think about. Like his feelings. He's clearly not come to terms with Jack's death. This is why in season two, when it became clear, it was we were going in a like Picard can't commit because of things in his past. I went on this like 30 minute tangent on one of our episodes (laughs) about how I thought it was going to finally be Picard coming to terms with Jack Crusher's death and the stargazer Beverly Crusher. And none of that happened. (laughs) None of it. And I was like, well, guess I'm totally off base. But what we do know about this new season is that it's it's Beverly. She's well. We know that she's the first character you see on screen in the third season uh, that has been um, revealed, and so it makes it very clear that we are going to address the Picard Beverly stuff one way or another. Finally, and 
maybe it might not be in a good way, who knows, but there's a lot of people who are in, very invested in the Picard-Beverly storyline because of this. And then, like, attached, they the, we don't, you know, we revisit it again very, very, in a very, like, roundabout way in the series finale, series finale, yeah, all good things, and then, like, it's not really addressed in the movies, and then that's what we got. I, like, can't get over it. I know. So I know. Wild. Uh, just what? <laughs> like, I'm I'm like sort of. It gives me sort of like not I'm not like oh haha, but like a little bit glad I didn't watch this. Like no, so because I, I had yeah. all these years just happily assuming that they were together. <laughs> yeah. No. No. <laughs> Oh, and okay. it's like I'm, I'm actually like it's like it's like and it harkens back to you know this is why you didn't want me on the Enterprise like this is why you walked in did you watch that scene I think you did where he walks into her office and is like we I can get you reassigned I can't remember if I had you watch that scene or not I don't think so okay I'm gonna send you a YouTube clip clip and I will uh put it in the show notes but because basically in the in encounter at far point he walks into her office and is like hi good to see you again I didn't want you on the ship. I can reassign you if you feel it's like basically like I can reassign you. And she's like, why would I want to be reassigned? I asked for this assignment. He's like, oh, I just figured like I was responsible for the death of your husband. Like, you know what I mean? And so. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I I want to be here. And so, um, oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like it's a it's a it's very good scene, a very interesting introduction to the character because, you know, that's basically your introduction to beverly and so uh yeah it's very it's 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 very their relationship is so complicated yeah sounds it yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah just like yeah just little hints hints of and it now i'm curious that picard has dealt with the trauma of his past and is able mm -hmm. and willing to commit is that going to because he's committed to laris in the season finale of picard season two but is that going to affect like his relationship with Beverly at all? Like, is what's going to happen? Basically, I, I don't know. I'm excited to find out, though. I know. Yeah, I'm excited. <sighs> so stress. I know. I know. Everything is stressful. It is. Um. All right. Well, I think those are. I think that's that's it. our that's our Picard prequel episode. Um, yeah. I will. We're we don't have a schedule yet for how we're covering the show, but we are obviously covering the show. Yeah, my guess is if, episodes at a time. If you and I can, um, if you and I can, because like I'm going to LA next week for the premiere, um, and then you've got some deadlines. Like I'm hoping we can <laughs> do the first. We'll do a. We'll record after the first two episodes. Yeah, um, that's because that's great. a good. That's a good point in terms of what happens to like have our first discussion. So, but we'll see. Perfect. Uh, all right. What are you doing? Um, I guested on, and this has been a while now, um, but I wanted to talk about it. I don't think I have talked about it on the podcast, but um, I guested on an episode of the podcast, All the Agents on Star Trek, which is hosted by Phil Yu. It's one of, it's, it's, it's one, it's an amazing podcast. It's basically like uh, interviewing either Asian people who were on Star Trek or like Asian fans of Star Trek. So um, basically I, it's called, it's an, it was an away mission episode. So I picked an episode I wanted to go in depth on. And we talked a lot about 
uh, the Voyager episode Lineage, which is um, a lot of complicated feelings about parenting. And um, yeah, it was, it was, I think it was really great discussion and I'm really proud of it. So anyway, go check out all the age, that episode of all the agents in Star Trek. I'm also still doing my wired column and people have been asking me about it because I haven't had any 2023 columns. And that's because we are re re kind of revamping it and, doing it slightly differently and just a little more in depth, a little less frequent, a little more in depth is basically how we're doing it. But I am working on my next column. So that is still happening. And um, I'm doing a Star Trek Picard recaps for Vulture. So every episode you will find my recaps over a Vulture. And then um, I think in August, my book Stargazing is coming out from Chronicle Books. And as soon as there's a pre-order link, I will let you all know. Um, I am working on a bunch of stuff I'm not allowed to talk about. And yes. so in lieu of that, I will just ask that you look at my books. The I can say that the second Spider-Man book is coming out this year in September. We we pushed it a few months because the world is a mess. But mm-hmm. yeah, other than that, you can you can check out all my books uh, on my site. And then yeah. I will as as I can talk about things, I will talk about them. Um, okay, what are you into? Um, I accidentally stumbled sideways into a Star Trek Voyager rewatch. I don't quite know actually how it happened. Um, <laughs> I just think like I needed something to watch in the background and I put on the first episode of Voyager and now I'm like halfway into the third season and that's just mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. with Star Trek. So I'm actually really enjoying it because I haven't, I'm watching, sitting down and watching every episode, uh, which is something I've been trying to do with my recent rewatches, even the ones I usually skip. Um, and the bad episodes are much less bad than I remember them being which is it's also that was always a treat um and then I'm playing Forspoken I really I'm enjoying it I'm into the story the voice acting is good the thing that's gotten criticized a lot is the banter um and it's fine it doesn't really bother me it's like a Marvel movie level it's it's fine but you can turn it down actually you can like more banter regular or less really? banter if it bothers huh. you yeah they put that in, which I think is really great if, like, uh, you don't like the banter. Um, I think it's – I'm having a lot of fun with it. I think the the story is good. Um, the gameplay is good. You can just spam R2 to is fight. Is it shooting or slashing? It's it's uh, magic. Ooh. Yeah, okay. it's, like, it's, like, it's like shooting magic. But the good thing is, and what I would highly recommend, is if you are at all old like me um, – <laughs> Go into your accessibility settings and turn off the sensitivity for the uh, trigger, adaptive trigger. So, like, you don't give yourself, like, carpal tunnel pulling the R2. Because, <laughs> like, the first time I was like, oh, my God, my wrist is weak. Like, it hurts. I can't do this anymore. And I'm trying to, like, hold, hit R2 with my left hand because, like, my, like, trigger fingers were getting weak. And then I turned that off and it made it much easier. Um, yes, I am here for all the old people playing video games. Oh, God, I love it. Um, and then I'm I'm playing still playing Disney Dreamlight Valley. I put it down for a while because there wasn't much to do when it first came out, but there's more to do. It's a lot of fun. It's a really good Animal Crossing style game that you can just pick up for 15 minutes on your handheld play and then put it down. I'm really liking it. So um, yeah. Um, I was like trying to think. I'm like, what am I doing with my time? Like, I don't even know. I my hold came in for the Candy House this week from Jennifer Egan, which is like a sequel of sorts to A Visit from the Goon Squad, which is, which is one, one of, of your favorite, yeah. Favorite, right. favorite books of all time. It came out in 2009. It won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. It is a fascinating way to tell a story. Um, and so I'm, 
it's interesting though being back in the world it's so good i've already cried like five times but it's basically the way it's a series of like vignettes in people's lives who are all and all the people are connected whether it's through family or through like a chance meeting or through work or through whatever it is it's sort of how like all those very human connections on the cusp of social media like the book Mm -hmm. a visit from the goon squad came out in 2009 and so it's very interesting to be back in the world that she created sort of post everything like Mm -hmm. with what social media is like now versus Mm -hmm. what it was like then right while still having all those very human things she's so good She's mm-hmm. just so good at writing about the human the human condition paired with technological advancement and you know 2009 very like still a very post 9/11 world and bringing in all that sort of like baggage mm-hmm. of being american just she's just so good i like yeah. would love to like live in her brain she's fascinating um so i'm listening to that which followed I'm, I've decided to do a Percy Jackson reread because oh my god that's amazing always so it's like connected it's it, you know wildly before the going, series um, yeah. yeah before the before the Disney plus series comes out um and then I started watching this anime called Spy X Family on Hulu which is about a guy who's this like incredible spy but for this new gig he needs a kid to like get mm-hmm. into a fancy school and so he has to like find this kid who happens to be able to read minds though he doesn't know it and then he needs a mom and so he like hooks up with this woman who is an assassin that he doesn't know mm-hmm. so it's this little like family who has all these like skills trying to complete these missions but becoming a family like a real family along the way mm-hmm. it's really cute I'm really enjoying it um, and yeah I think that's sort of it like I'm sure there's like a million other things I'm reading yeah. and watching but god knows what it actually is I know same I was like what am I reading and I know I'm like I know I'm reading something but like I just I don't even know who knows <laughs> um okay so we are part of the hard knock life podcast network you can find all the podcasts in the hard knock media family at hardknockmedia.com. that's n-o-c for nerds of color and a huge thank you to our patreon subscribers as we had our announcement earlier um thank you to meredith amber brandy brian chris bria ruth the not family honey desiree jason jordan gavita mike nina rita and ronnie um you're welcome to join our patreon again it's just you know trying it's just to- it's just a holiday card at the end of the year basically and server support are, we appreciate it greatly um mm-hmm. And that so is patreon.com slash girls. And that's it. Until next time. Oh, wait. Time. No, you can find us on the oh. internet. <laughs> this is like what? This is what? See, I didn't copy and paste <laughs> that line. We're on episode 80. We've 80 been doing this for like for six, six years. years. Six years. <laughs> um, we are. You can find. Oh, you know what? I didn't put in the what I'm doing. Tarval and her bus is still going. Our oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wheel of Time reread podcast is still going. We are on book seven, Crown of Swords. And Jen and I will both be at Jordan Con in April if that is a oh. thing that you are interested in. Where is uh, that? In Atlanta. That's why I'm going to be there because it's here <laughs> and I don't have to Ooh. go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be paneling there. So that should be fun. And Yes, so obviously we our ending is disorganized. You can find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. I am on all social medias wherever it exists. 
at Run with Skizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. I am um, at S Krishna on Twitter, at Swapna underscore Krishna on Tumblr. And I am uh, S Krishna at wandering.shop on Mastodon, which I have been using and very much enjoying. Um, and yes, now until next time. <laughs> we'll see you we'll in see hell. You. hell. <laughs>